computer. So it's Rod Maxwell, and uh, today on the uh, podcast, which is Life After Work, I have the usual suspects, uh, Paul Davies, Phil Harrison, and Ash Sharma. And uh, today's subject is we're going to talk about what it's like now being in our 50s and not working it, what do we miss? What you know? What 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 have we learned about what it's like to be out of work at this stage in our lives? And 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 what does work mean to us now that we don't do it anymore? Um. So, uh, Ash, I'm going to turn to you because um, you're uh, like Phil. You're one of the uh, most recent guys out of the four of us to to stop working. Um, like myself, yours was not a a, a, yeah. a conscious decision. It was almost forced upon you. So maybe give us some background, and then and we'll talk about what you miss. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rod. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, um, just a recap um, for people who are listening. It's um, I was been a, I was a dentist. Um, been a dentist for about 27 years or so, qualified in 92 and, you know, really enjoyed my career, you know, um, started to specialize in implants and I was, you know, really happy with the way things were going and I had a really, you know, really good uh, professional life. I had a good, you know, good patients working in Altrincham on Barrington Road, had an excellent routine, you know, your life is organized for you almost and then you enjoy you know, meeting people, the patients and the staff. And, and that is the biggest thing that I miss is this, you know, the, the camaraderie with the staff, you know, the crack that you have with them. It's just really, it's fantastic. And you don't, you know, you say, you know, with, 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 your, work, with your work colleagues, you don't realise how important they are and you know, how an integral part of your professional life they are when, until they're not there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually see them every now and again and I just, realize you know how important the people I've worked with all through you know my different um careers I've had I've worked in Salford I've worked in Altrincham worked in hospitals as well and always you know people that you work with are very important part of our identity a very important part of um, who we are as well so I miss that that's the really big part and then the other part is the routine it's just I like my life, you know, it's quite regimented, you know, you, you know, get up at a certain time, you turn up, you've got your, you know, my life was basically chunked into 20 minute slots. So it's just like, you know, in terms of patients and then you're doing surgeries and that sort of thing. And then weekends you've recovered. And I don't have any of that. I don't have the routine in that sense. I've given myself a routine now and I don't meet the people like I used to do. And I really miss that. And I massively struggle with that. I'm still struggling with it now and it's quite as you say what it's quite a recent thing so you know i don't know how the others have you know how you guys have dealt with not meeting people maybe you do maybe you're different maybe you do have a good circle but my my circle was very very tight it was very professionally based so you know that's what i struggle with to be honest with you it was really hard well, there's no yeah. doubt i'll be talking to there's no doubt i miss the people but um Maybe I have a slightly different perspective on it. Just a quick recap from me as well to set that context. Our situations are slightly different. I've worked in insurance for 31 years plus. Um, and for me, it was more of an opportunity to leave. My career had become a little bit circular. So when the opportunity came to leave, I thought, no, yeah, this is the right, this is the right time. I can go and do other things. So it was slightly different. But I do um, know what you mean about the people are a massive part of it. For my part, I worked, here's the cliche, a great set of people. We had such fun alongside work. And when I think back to those times, I do remember them more than fondly. Uh, and and it's, it's great to remember it. And 
but the, also the um, I think it's the you, you mentioned the routine was was what you miss, and that's the bit I don't because that's the bit that had become too circular for me doing the same things. Maybe I just hadn't moved on enough. Um, but for what I was doing, I definitely had enough. So actually, I miss the opposite. I miss it was whatever what variety there was in the in the job. Um, and it was reacting to things, the unknown and the variety that that brings. Now, clearly, on balance, there wasn't enough of that to keep me engaged. Um, but it's that element that I do miss. And it's the, you've got to be careful that um, now I do know pretty much what the days will bring. There's little uncertainty or, or variety uh, other than what I choose to try and bring to it. Obviously, the current situation doesn't, doesn't help that. So that's, uh, I, I share some of that. Um, that was what I missed, particularly. It's a little different. Paul, um, your situation is quite different because you've gone from something that you know was in a strict structure, and 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 now you you've become self-employed, if you like. And I'm just wondering whether discipline is is something that you've had to teach yourself a little bit about. Because if if you don't write one day, or if you don't write for a week. You know, there's nobody there to turn around to you and say you're doing the wrong thing. But if you didn't, if that kept going, that would be a nightmare. So, have you have you had to create a new self discipline, if you like, or do you always have that? Well, I've I've tried. Um, just just to remind the listeners, I was um, with Greater Manchester Police as a police officer, frontline police officer for uh, near on uh, thirty years. Um, now, I absolutely I, I love the job. I, I I loved it. We had um, we had a great team. Um, we had such a close uh, set of guys and gals in our relief that we used to go on mini holidays together. We used to go like take a, a long weekend in Amsterdam or a long weekend in. We went to Annecy uh, in, in in France. Um, we went to Brussels. We went all over the place. We were very very close. And we got the job done. Uh, we had a great set of supervision. Um, we, it, it was just, we used to say we should put in a crime report for theft of a living because we enjoyed doing our job so much. It was like, we're getting paid to do this and it's really good. Now, had, had th that situation was like that, up until probably around maybe 10 years ago. Um, had I have been at retirement stage then, it probably would have killed me to leave the cops because I absolutely loved it. Again, it's what you boys have said. You had um, I, all my colleagues, you went to friends, you knew who uh, your friends and colleagues, you saw their sons and daughters born and grow up and the new year and they were part of our family you yeah. went to weddings you went to christenings you went to 21st dues you went it was such a concentrate of it was another family i mean the harp on the gmp about oh this is our family and it really was another family and so when i used to go out to work it was just like we'd have a great time like i say we got the job done so 10 years ago Yes, I would have been absolutely devastated at leaving. Unfortunately, the powers that be that run GMP, and I don't care what they think about it because, you know what, they'll all deny it if they hear this, but they're all <laughs> idiots. 
they're not they're not people persons they try and balance books as with every business the people at the top try and come up with business strategies and uh, cost cutting exercises so when the, you remember when the country we went on this uh, pay rise freeze and uh, everything like this um, to try and cut things down the first people to get hit by any pay cuts any any rise uh, pay rises freezes is the police because we're an easy target we're not um, we're not allowed to strike it's against the law to strike we have a federation who charge you a fortune a month and give you a cup every six months it's they're, they're just a waste of time because they have no power so the powers that be changed the whole um the the, the whole pattern if you like of of the of the police force trying to make what they believe better we have a saying in the in the in the police you probably have a saying and say they've reinvented the wheel and what goes around comes around so some guy who's or some woman who's after promotion will come up with some big plan to get that promotion but it's already been tried and tested and done and put in the back but they think it's their idea so they messed and about with the the, the dynamic of the police so much, it broke reliefs up. So our, our relief, it broke us up. They had to go, some had to go to another relief, some had to go to other stations. They tried to um, make it work more efficiently. The police are the most efficient, inefficient company I know. They are so bad, at, they do not listen to the cops on the street, which is, which is a terrible thing because the cops on the street know what the public want know what they're dealing with with the public, but these hierarchy uh, people haven't got a clue because they're, they're just business managers. So when they started changing everything, it really went, I, I still enjoyed the work and I loved the routine, but suddenly a relief of, say, 25 to 30 people that you're very close with became a relief of probably eight people, three, four of which you didn't know properly. And that was the, 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 the way they reduced the reliefs. So when it came to retire, I had the option. If I, I, I could have stayed on, you're allowed to stay on in the cops. After 55, you can uh, stay on until, I think it's 65. Um, and I was asked the question, do, do you want to stay on? And I went, you know what? Hell will freeze over before I stay in this establishment anymore. It, they've taken every... You, there's, there's, there's nothing... Um, they, they don't pat you on the back. They don't thank you for your job well done. They will thank you for a job well done when it comes to them getting a publicity uh, thing. If something happens, or you yeah. know, they go on about. Uh, I, I, I suffered ash. I know you mentioned a, a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, uh, about the fact that you had a bit of a breakdown. Well, I had a very bad injury. Uh, with the police, I got into a fight. Um, I ended up having two of my discs removed. I was in hospital for for, for quite some time, uh, having various operations on my back. The only thing the police force offered me, now bearing in mind they go on about a big family, we are family, we love you all. The only thing they went on about was the fact that they were going to put me on half pay if I didn't get back to work pretty damn quick. And it was like, do you know what? I've given you 20 odd years of my life. This is the first time whilst on duty, I get injured and have to have half my bloody back removed 
and you're worried that I'm not back at the at the station. Where where where's your where's your compassion? Where's your empathy? The fact that it came to Christmas a few about three years ago, came to Christmas, uh, and I thought I'm I'm going to get put on half pay here. I've got bills. I've got Christmas presents. I've got everything. You know, I can't say to the Halifax mortgage people, oh, I'm going on half pay, so I'm only giving you half my mortgage. You can't do that. And I begged and pleaded and tried to get help off the police. And do you know what? Their answer to this, when I was on the phone to HR, get your federation to step up to the plate. And she put the phone down. And I thought, Terrible. I can't get anywhere. That spiraled me to... I just went down and down and down and I ended up, um, you know, I, I, I had the, the, the same as PTSD as well as um, like depression and stuff like that. And it just got, it just got worse. I ended up, which I didn't want to do. I ended up working in an office in Gorton. Yeah. Working at an office in Gorton, um, from there, from the police station there, and did that for the last year and a half of my career. So when it came to retiring, there was nothing I missed about it. I didn't have any uh, of my friends working with me. My colleagues, I'd see them occasionally, and, you know, the banter would start and everything like that. But, no, there was nothing. Even when you leave work, it, there's something odd happens, though, that um, even when you get... Because I didn't have any issues with the people I, that ethos and the, the people aspect of the company, I have to say, was, was great with where I worked. And the company was finance. I don't have an issue with them on good terms. So it's not that at all. But the thing about people is they're still work colleagues. Um, and however well you get on with them, there is always that the bond is work uh, the possibility. And when you go outside that, and I feel it now that I've left, and it's exacerbated now by the time that's passed and because of covid I would not be able to get together. I don't want to be that guy who harks back to former glories and former times and all you do is reminisce about the times because I'm conscious that they're still moving on as a team with their team dynamics. Things will be happening in work. It, the, the cultural thing picks up on these things and you're not part of it anymore. So I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I back and you know, totally you're yesterday's landmate sort of thing. Uh, I totally agree and I'll tell you I'll tell you why when I left work I realised I didn't actually have any friends it knocked me for six because I suddenly lost uh, all those people I've been working with and known for years and years and years um, it wasn't a case of oh should we just nip out and go for a pint or anything like that because they were working or they had other commitments and then I looked around I probably I can count seriously um, three, three very good friends that are not connected with the police, uh, and they're they're my life lifelong friends, if you like. But all that uh, friendship and camaraderie, and we'll do anything for you. It 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 vanished. It vanished. Uh, it, 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 I, this was the biggest thing that I struggle with, and it was a a bit of a psychological thing because i i made partner in, in our firm in the july and it was the end of september when i became ill and so and, and you know making partner is your entrance into a different sphere of the firm you're, you're essentially an owner of the firm but you realize there's different levels within that you know you're you're back to the start but you know uh, and it was something that 
I always wanted to do from the day I start, started working for my first consultancy firm uh, and I, I met a few of the partners, that's what I wanted to be. And I wanted to be it because I wanted the influence and I wanted to be able to help grow a business and to shape it, you know, and, and, and to do all those things. And I, first of July, 2016, I officially became a partner. Um, the 30th of September, I was in the hospital and, and that was three months. And I, 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 I went through a period of actually mourning the fact that I hadn't been able to do the job that I always wanted to do. And it was almost like, it was like stepping into a, new, a whole different job, you know, yeah. um, and, and they make you work to get there. You know, that was my second attempt. So I'd, I'd, I'd spent 18 months in a process to, to, to make, make partners. So I, I almost then went through a period of mourning when I, uh, you know, I, I, when I, my, I could get my senses gathered that actually I wasn't going to die and I understood what was going on around me. Then I went through almost a grief period uh, with work. And, and what I realized then is the people that you were working with, their lives have gone on at 90 miles an hour down the motorway and you're struggling on the pavement of a pedestrian street, if you like. And they naturally, they don't mean to forget about you, but their pace of their lives are such that they're bound to almost, you know, and, yeah. and, and you, you get a lot of love and you get a lot of attention when you make partner because it's a big thing. And it is that zero to hero or hero to zero thing. You know, suddenly I felt that was it. And, 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 and they did, it wasn't them. It was, it was a consequence of a situation, you know, mm. and, and I, I, I really struggled with that. And my initial reaction was to just, try to treat it like sliding doors, try to pretend that that was a different life and leave it behind and, and start to create a, a whole new life. But I, I, I even struggled with that because it, it's still massive part of you. And, 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 and I'm still close to the firm overall, but it's the relationships and the people they move on naturally, and it's it's just it's just something that happens, you know. Well, I agree. I mean, it's very similar to you know what what you just saying there, Rod, because it just resonates because for both of us, it was a it was enforced. It wasn't a choice. Yeah. Um, with me, it was um, arthritis on my fingers, and and I, you know, I actually like yourself. I've been wanting to become, you know, you know, you had this aim, a professional career aim, and I wanted to be, you be an implant surgeon, and I was, I've done my master's, I was almost finished it, and it was, it was mapped, the road, it was there in front of me, you could see it, you know, like you, Rod, you said, you know, this is what you've been coveting, and then it just gets taken, but with you, it was like a crash, wasn't it, where it just happened, it was like a, a death of a thousand cuts, I was telling patients I'm leaving, so I was going to have surgery, and then, November was going to be my last day and I know and it, I just kept repeating the same line to patient after patient and I kept going on through it and I just thought god I, I mean, it's like reliving picking at a stitch all the time um, and eventually you know when you when you do leave you realize how much you know you do, you do miss everything you know at the end of you know like with, you know you know I've seen yourself Rod for as a patient for what how many years 12 13 years I've seen your kids mm -hmm. coming in I've seen them coming in at primary school they've gone to university you know I see families growing up they've seen mine growing up and we're not just patients they're not just patients we have really good chats I said to you before 
I've said uh, before, you know, in the first um, episode that, you know, when I talked to you, Rod, you, you know, you helped me so much about, you know, you told me what you've been through and that helped me a lot because I was really struggling with it. And it was great. My, I actually deliberately increased my checkup times with Rod to about 45 minutes to an hour so I could have proper chats with him. And, you know, and those times you just realize, you know, a lot of the patients that I had were actually quite, you know, I missed them a lot. I'm, whenever Heidi comes home, that's my wife. She works at the practice. I say, who did you see today? What did they say? Did they miss me? Are they saying anything? She goes, oh, God, when are you going to see No. But you know what? It's really hard. And then you've got to move on. So the thing is with Paul, you had a, you had a, an ambition to be a writer. When I just left, as you know, my practice, I was floundering. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what else to do. So I'm, it's just like piecing, you know, this year I've been piecing things together again, piecing a life together again. And you know, then you've got COVID as well and you live staying at home. So it's a very slow process. It's going to take longer. I'm finding things that I enjoy and I'm, I'm getting on with that. I've got myself a routine. Well, you do actually, you know, like, I don't know who said it, was it, I don't know if it was you, Phil or Paul, you were saying that at the end of the day, you do feel a bit of a fraud. And I'm, I do feel like that still now, you know, in terms of, you know, you're getting up in the morning, you know, you're doing things and you think, you know, this isn't how it's it needs to be. It is a maybe you, Ash, and, and Rod, you as well, maybe you as well, Paul, but for me, my job was never really a vocation. I much enjoyed it, and um, it was you, know, you get your, your wins. Overall, it wasn't how I viewed um, myself. It wasn't my identity, so I don't consider myself an insurance person. That's not who I am. So I don't think I went through that process of having to, in your words, Rod, mourn that. Um, and I think that's that's maybe a big difference. Is if you felt it was part of your identity. Uh, yeah. I, to move on in terms of the things that I wanted to do. I don't know whether, Paul, to me, a police um, is a family vocation. Equally, it sounds like you had very much a, something at uh, heart that you wanted to do following it. So, that the both sides covered there, I think. Yeah, um, I, I, I was lucky uh, in the fact that I was I was writing. So, when, when it came to retiring, yes, um, I thought, yeah, I can now concentrate on my book. Um, books, writing, whatever, um, and crack on. But you know, I mean, unlike uh, Ash uh, and, and, and Rod, who were sort of, through no fault of their own, forced into their situation, I, I wasn't forced, but I, I kind of felt, I kind of felt pressured. Um, not no, pressured, pressures, it's the wrong word. It's like my mind had been made up by the people I work for to leave. It wasn't my my mind. Because, as I said, if it was like it was 10 years ago and it came to retirement, I would have stayed on. But it's because of the way that the organisation treats their, their officers, that's what made me want to leave. Um, I left very, very bitter very bitter it had a bitter taste in my mouth uh, they're asked to give 150 percent and given like five percent support it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous so i was very very glad um that i did uh, i had my writing but going back to something you said earlier rod about self-discipline i found myself because 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 in the cops you're very well used to be very, very disciplined not anymore they're all dressed like boy band members. Uh, 
I've seen some cops now, and God bless them when they've got 35 years to do, and you see them, you go, my daughter's older than you by about 10 years, and she's 21. Um, so in, in the cops, she's very disciplined um, for, for, for time-wise, for uh, how you look, how you present yourself, everything's, you taught this discipline. So suddenly, I've got this freedom, and it's very, very weird. You would think I would bring that <laughs> that discipline into my private life. No, no, no. I'm a great procrastinator. If that's if that counts for anything, I'll just get to writing. Or before that, I'll make some toast, or I'll go and brush the yard, or I'll go and paint the house. You know. So it's hard when when you've got the time and you're not against the clock. You know, you're not thinking I have to do this before I go back to work. It's very hard to uh, bring self discipline into it. But that's that's the thing that has struck me is that often people want to retire because they want to get away from the rigidity rigidity sorry of routine but i, I actually the thing i i think you need in life is you you actually need more structure than than you appreciate and and sure. and, 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 and i don't think you can turn around and say oh i i don't need that anymore i i, I you know i have a a free and easy life i i have found I, I need a structure and I don't think that's just because of memory. You know, I, I, I need those markers in my week and the, that changeability, yeah. if you know what yeah. I mean. Are no, you I saying? totally, absolutely spot on. That is it. I mean, all straight from school, everything's been, for me, has been structured. It's how I wanted it. And it's all the way through. It's like that. And, you know, if I don't have, personally speaking, if I don't have that, then, um it's a problem but i'm get i've given myself that structure in you know in lots of ways you know you know in terms of even just getting up really early being with the kids then going to the gym and then doing trading what i do and then you know and then i'm going to start looking at other things you know i'm looking out i mean look at what you've you know like you personally rod i mean you've got a skill set that you had which is really high end at what you were doing and you're applying it to what you've got now you know with this um, you know, you're working with radio to organize it and do the, you know, do the station. That's not an easy thing to do. That takes a lot of effort, a lot of, lot of things to bring together, a lot of people to bring together. And, you know, and, and that I think has, has, is a reflection of what you have within yourself and from the job that you did. And I think with each of us, we've got that within us from our, you know, the, the silver lining here is that we've got um, skill sets character traits within ourselves which we can bring to fore in whatever we decide to do after we reti- after we've retired i don't know what that'll be i mean i don't know what that'll be next year covid's sort of kicked us in the kahunas this year hasn't yeah, it yeah. we don't know what's going to happen next year but i think we've got to be um optimistic as well haven't we we have to we have got a lot to offer haven't we? The thing that strikes me, and I think we may have mentioned this before, but when Cameron used to go on about the big society, right, it probably was a terrible cliched word, but I, I sort of get what he meant, which is there are things out there and there are communities within society that actually would would benefit from people having been in work, go, going in and, 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 and working with them or helping them. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, so... Uh, the, you know, for example, the, the the charity shop I worked in in Headway, 
that was more beneficial to me than going and speaking to a psychologist every week about me getting over the 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 the, the trauma, the mental trauma of not working, Be- because it started to give me the things I missed. It gave me a bit of structure. I would go in three um, three hours, only three hours once a week, but. I, you know, I had colleagues there and we had conversations and it would be, how was your week? How's the family, et cetera, et cetera. And you had customers, regular customers who would come in and, and you would chat to them. And, and that little shop actually saved my bacon in a way, not only because it gave me structure, but it made me feel like I belonged to a community again because I felt completely you know um, completely out on my own really you know because yeah. you know i think companies do wrap you around you you know as part of their it's a part of their culture to put a support mechanism around you and 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 that's part of the quid pro quo if you like so i i i personally believe you know if I, um that you have to go out and find the things to invest your time in yeah. a, a little bit <laughs> I think you're right, Rod. There's, um, there's three things I think I'd look for if I find uh, another role. Um, maybe it's not a conventional job, but find some sort of role out there. I think, one, I'd like to contribute something to society. I think there's something to be said for doing something that's socially useful. It goes back to that sort of vocation thing. Um, secondly, what you've just mentioned there, and we've touched on before, which is the community aspect, i.e. friends and colleagues. Um, being sociable just gives you some human contact. And the third thing would be to engage the brain, if you like, some sort of problem solving, some sort of intellectual complexity to something. Um, and I, the reason I don't miss work, really, is it, it certainly had um, the colleague bit, the community bit. But I think in latter years, I didn't have any problem leaving it. I didn't think it was socially useful. I'm sure it was in the economic scene of, scheme of things. Insurance, of course, has its place, um, but not my role particularly. Uh, and it certainly didn't mentally challenge me in the end. So I think that's if those are the things that I should work about the working world, if not my my uh, last role when I was working. But you, know, you know, something that's really struck me as I come to the end of the year is typically every year you would sit down with somebody in the business and you would set some objectives for your next year. Right. And some of them would be economic around the types of deals you would be doing, the money you'd be bringing in. Some of it would be personal development. Some of it would be business development. Right. So you had a framework to that. And and actually, I've I've realized that you, they again help you. They give you they, they give you a bit of uh, focus, a bit of, you know, to, to your year. And I, so I, I've started to put my own objectives in place. I don't write them down necessarily, but I think about them and think, because again, I realize I missed that performance management structure, that framework, that process. And, and you don't have anybody to coach you. We always had mentors or counselors or coaches and, and, and you don't, you, maybe your mates can be, but it, 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 it's, I missed that part of, of work. Yeah. Really, you know, I think yeah. we talked about that. That was number one point in episode one, wasn't it? After all, it was about having something to achieve, having those longer term and short term goals. Um, and it's what I have created those for myself. But then, as I said before, they miss the socially useful bit, contributing to society. But most definitely, Roger, it's that setting of what I want to achieve. So for me, yes, it is about triathlon. Yes, it is about achieving something that the band wants to get to go again and playing the trumpet. 
and, and yes it was about learning a skill so yes you set yourself those goals and i think that's essential i mean that's the thing i mean it's hard to i mean that's what's something i need to learn to do i'm just looking what the all you three have got now is actually you know you have set yourself goals already you know what you want to achieve you i i'm still assembling that sort of thing i'm like rod was saying my my life was based upon career goals completely. It was patient treatment plans. So you started a treatment on a patient and you started it, I don't know, in one month and then two months later they'd come in, you'd do another part of it. Then eventually four months down the line, you've, you've done what you wanted to achieve. You'd restored an implant, you'd done lots of crowns, you'd done a bridge work and it was tangible. It was um, calibrated, you could see it. The patient was happy. The, the the turnover was there in the practice. Can you see it was the metrics were there, and that's what your life was based upon. It was really there was nothing else there. It was just hard, hard and fast. You could see it all the time, and in the absence of those tangible metrics that you've got, I haven't got those anymore now. And so you have to create those yourself. And so, like you said, Phil, you know, if you've got it's things that you try to set, you know, you've got your, you know, your training that you do. I need to do something like that as well. And I was, you know, I was on the way of finding people like, well, you could, I don't want to blame COVID, but it's not help. If you can't get out of the house and they won't pay you, it's not, a, it's not an easy thing to do. So, in any so it's very inspiring really with you three, because you know, I know what you, what you three have just achieved and what you're trying, what you've done. So I know it can be done. And, you know, I'm looking forward to next year, you know, uh, with optimism now, because I know you know it can be done, and you guys are enjoying it, aren't you? Well, can I just can I just go back to what Phil was saying that he wanted to? Phil, did you say you wanted to? Uh, you're looking more to become socially uh, useful. Uh, Not immediately, you. but <laughs> no, no, immediately. You see what what yeah. springs to my mind when you 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 mentioned what you mentioned before about all the goals you want to set yourself. You're after Father Christmas's job, aren't you? <laughs> That's what you, you're after. You want to be Santa. Yeah, there is a financial motivation as well, though, and I'm, I'm sorry. I think he's uh, he loses out on that score. I don't think he pays. Well. <laughs> Mind you, he does only work one day a year, doesn't he? So maybe that. You maybe don't, you uh, don't know what his uh, commission is, do you? You don't know how many of the presents in his sack he actually hands over. Oh, good yeah, point. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Could be lucrative. <laughs> Sansa, no. yeah. do we believe yes or no in Sansa? I know I'm going slightly off the tangent here, but Sansa, yes or no? I'm saying Absolutely. yes. Of course. of course. Good boys. That's what I like to see. <laughs> you see, me and my me and my daughter, who's obviously in the UK, every Christmas Eve, and you need to get this app on your phone if you've not got it. It's the Santa Tracker. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We yes. used to do that with our kids, yeah. yeah. Uh, so every year, we track Santa, and she'll text me, go, Daddy's over at Montreal. And I go, oh, my God, he's over this way. I'm 56. She's 21. And we still believe. Mm. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're going to have to have a podcast Christmas party, basically. Yes. Oh, God. Does that mean Christmas jumpers, then, as well? Oh, maybe. Ooh. Well, maybe video this one then. <laughs> oh no! Don't you I, I can't put that pressure on. Crikey! I, I can wear my, my Santa outfit. My Christmas. Tree. That means I'll have to wear my Santa waistcoat or something. I can't be doing. Uh, I right. would never wear. I mean, the biggest bane that, that the staff used to have with me is, Ash, put your Christmas jumper on. I would never put it on until it was virtually just you know Christmas Eve or the two uh, days before, Ash, and Ash. eventually I started it on and you know and then it got a bit more wacky 
flashing lights and all oh, sorts oh, of things. Oh, Sharma, are you about humbug? She's coming across that oh, way. Oh, that's you, Paul. <laughs> I tell you. I, I don't not, know. No, I'm not massive. Not now. I mean, I've, I've, I've been... Um, I've been turned around, really. Well, I mean, about seven or eight years at Barrington, then, you know, 20-odd years with Heidi, my wife. She's there. It's been turned around. I'm not as bar humbug as I used to be. So, yeah. I um, pretend to be, I guess. That's what people will say. You're what? I pretend to be a bar humbug. Ah, so. right. Okay. okay. Gotta love Christmas. So if we do the video, that's great because nobody has the opportunity to see my snowman underpants. So, obviously, <laughs> I'm going to be those. <laughs> Right. Well, maybe, maybe that's what we uh, we'll, we'll do. A, we'll have to do a Christmas special at some stage, you know. Yeah, definitely. As long as Rod has got, as long as you've got a sensor button. So if anywhere, if anything untoward happens, uh, you know, um, in Paul's um, section, then you can just <laughs> delete or pause or black out or something. Uh, <laughs> Pixelate. Uh, yeah. Well, we're, we're I well, yes, yeah, snowmen underpants. I'm not sure about that. Anyway. <laughs> no. Well, look. Um, Good to see you all again. Yeah, it's good and, to see you all. It's good, good to uh, chat. And we'll uh, we'll be back again next week, but we'll get this out very soon. All right. Excellent. Take care. Until the next one, guys. Take care now. See you now. Bye bye. Bye all.